Welcome to Slaughterhouse Stories. I hope you enjoy the stories I have for you tonight. Hello to all you things that go bump in the night. Hello to all you fleshback humans as well. I'm your host and narrator, Ghost Train, and this is the Slaughterhouse Stories Podcast, Episode 5, Halloween Night. Welcome to the show that brings you creepypastas, short scary stories, and dark horror-themed poetry from all over the haunted and scary side of the world. Lock your doors, get under your blanket, and keep the lights on. Now let's get spooky. Starting us off tonight, another story from one of my favorite creepypasta authors, Jay Deshen. Tonight her story will show us that there are many monsters in this world. Real, terrifying, inhumane monsters that prey on those weaker and on the innocent. But just because you're a monster doesn't mean there isn't a bigger monster out there. A monster that can terrify you and make you see the world differently. Like you needed more reasons to stay out of the woods. I present to you, you never know what's out there. I'm so damn good at this. Never a step out of place. Never an accidental twig snap or an unnatural rustle of leaves. They never have any idea that I'm watching. I'm a fucking stealth god. I can't believe how stupid some women are. They hear all the stories. This one goes missing. This one turns up murdered. They only find pieces of this other one. And so on. What's their solution? Not to stay out of the fucking woods. No, that would make far too much sense. No, they decide to charge straight in. But in pairs. Like that will protect them. Just gives me more to hunt. You dumb bitches. I've been tracking these two sweet morsels for a while now. One is a cute little blonde thing with rosy pink skin and a button nose. She's got to be at least 20, but she looks like she's 12. I love the way her sweet little ass cheeks dip out of the bottom of those tiny denim shorts. The other one is a dark goddess. Olive skin, brown hair, tits sticking out a mile, and quite the fiery little temper. They've been sniping at each other for hours, and their morale is low. Yeah, that was me. I nicked in while their backs were turned, stole their maps, and fucked up their compass. They have no fucking clue where they are, and I love it. The blonde one is starting to panic. The brunette wants to kick the shit out of her. It's funny as fuck to watch, but she better not. I want both of them, nice and intact for when I get my turn to play. A big part of this racket is the waiting. Sometimes you just have to sit tight, like I'm doing right now. Not much I can do until they've crawled inside their tent for the night. Sure, I keep myself on the move, just so they don't find me. But you do kind of run out of things to watch. You've seen one sweaty college girl piss in the woods. You've seen them all. The real fun comes in the middle of the night, when they're passed down from bitching at each other. 
That's when I pop right into their tents, and before they know it, they're mine. Sometimes, I knife them right away. Other times, I like to keep them alive. Keep them lucid. Their screams turn me on. There they go. The fire's out now, and they're crawling into the last place to ever sleep. I'll wait a few more hours, and then, what the fuck? What is that? It sounds like who or what the fuck is stomping around at this hour. If it's some kind of bear, I'm fucked. It'll wake those bitches up. And then I'll have to wait a whole other day and night. I swear to God, sometimes I just... No, that's not a bear. That's not... What the fuck is it? It's standing on two legs. It looks like a man, but... goddamn, that thing is big. I've never seen anything like it before. It's... it's eyes. It doesn't seem to know I'm here, but it sees the tent. It's not even stopping. Like that tent doesn't even matter. Fabric tears. The girls are awake. I can hear them screaming. That... thing. It's roaring, bellowing. It grabs the little blonde one and lifts her high in the air. She's kicking and flailing, but she's no match. It doesn't want her. The creature throws her back down. I hear her bones shatter, and she goes quiet. The brunette is stunned. She scrambles to her feet, but she's not fast enough. I watch, paralyzed, as it drags her off into the darkness. I can't see her anymore, but I can still hear her screams and cries for help. They start to change. I've heard screams like that. I can tell she's not being dragged anymore. I can tell she's being used. I'm shaking. I can't believe what I've seen. I'm never coming back here again. Hopefully, these two monsters run into each other again, and the bigger one will do us all a favor and turn the smaller monster into his plaything. Now, let's step out of the woods and move through space and time, traveling backwards to simpler times. Although simpler doesn't always mean better. Sometimes, simpler just means less capable of dealing with the things this world can throw at you. Author C. Daly brings us to the year 1347. Wow, Patrick, we had so much candy tonight. I sure hope Mom doesn't throw the good stuff away. I know, Gavin, she always gets paranoid on Halloween, like monsters are really going to get us. I know, right? Although, did you see that one guy or lady or whatever it was? What are you talking about? He was over by the alley in front of Billy's house. He had that pink dress on. He looked scary. Not as scary as the kids with him, though. They looked like they had no eyes. It was creepy. Wait, pink dress and kids with no eyes? Do you know who that was? Mr. Cindy. Time for you to come with me and my children. Time to join the family. But first, I need those eyes. to the brink of extinction. Survival is not guaranteed, as you listen to Bringer of Death. A cool fog had settled over the ship. The wax candle upon my desk shone dimly, burned down to a pitiful stub. Shadows flickered across the pages of the manuscript that I examined, moving with the regular lurch of the ship. 
My eyes darted to and fro as I contemplated the carefully drawn maps laid flat on the table in front of me. I marveled over the intricate shorelines that swirled across the worn pages. No doubt, painstakingly drawn by an immaculate artist, many markings had been placed upon the heavily used maps, but I was unable to read them. Though I mastered countless tongues throughout my years of travel, I was utterly illiterate and would likely remain so for the rest of my life. I cannot recall exactly why I had taken the trouble to bring out my maps. I had no current need of them, for our voyage was nearly complete. Perhaps I simply desired distraction to ease my mind and calm my senses. A brief flash of bright light illuminated my cramped quarters. The sun had, for a moment, cut through the early morning fog that engulfed the sea. Through the small window in the side of my room, I caught a glimpse of the grey, rocky, Sicilian shoreline. My heart skipped a beat, and I jolted upright. My time had come. My hand moved to my chest and underneath my tunic, where it grasped a small, metal pendant that hung about my neck. The thin string that held it was old and frayed. I pulled the pendant firmly away from myself, snapping the string in half. Holding it in front of the dying candlelight, I examined it closely. It was made of bronze and incredibly light. The inside was hollow. I knew as much, and the layer of metal felt so thin that I should be able to crush it with my bare hands. A small smile crept into my lips. I was, in that moment of time, the only human being who understood and appreciated the doom that would soon ravage this world. My hand began to shake as an overwhelming mix of excitement and dread overtook me. I clutched the pendant tighter and stood up from my chair. Exiting my quarters, I took a breath of the salty sea air and shivered in the cold wind that blasted through my tunic. I turned around and looked upwards, towards the wheel, locking eyes with my first mate, who was carefully guiding our ship through the fog and into the harbor of Sicily. He gave me a slight nod, then turned his gaze back towards the open sea. A feeling of guilt clouded my mind. My crew, my loyal and faithful crew, would undoubtedly be the first to perish. They had wronged me in no way, yet my actions would soon sentence them to a terrible death. It was a most regrettable circumstance, but there was nothing that could be done to ease it. The matter was settled, and my mind was made. I would not back away now. I walked to the bow of the ship and peered out over the edge. Mist sprayed my body and drenched my clothes, chilling me to the bone. My grip on the pendant loosened. I held it in my palm and looked down at it once more. Such a price I had paid for this small trinket, but it would soon prove its value. I was confident of that. Every scrap of gold and silver, every small thing of worth I had ever owned, I had sacrificed for this pendant. In a distant land I had purchased this thing of evil. The old witch cackled intensely as she forged it, chanting ancient tongues and summoning devils of flame and shadow to complete her unholy ritual. If I had been unsure before, no doubt had remained in my mind after I witnessed the horrific demonic spell that created this bronze pendant. Her price had been gladly paid. Now the moment of reckoning had arrived. For too long I had been shoved down and stamped into the dust by lords and nobles and kings. For too long I had been denied the success and riches that were rightfully mine. My desire for wealth and fame festered within me, like an abscess that could never be filled. Day after day, year after year, my thirst for power and recognition remained unquenched. On this day it would all end, by my hand. 
chaos and destruction would spread throughout the land as I exacted revenge upon all those who had dared impede my path. My hand slowly tilted until the pendant was barely hanging from the tips of my fingers. With one quick motion, I moved my hand away and allowed the pendant to fall onto the wooden deck. It landed with a barely audible noise and rolled briefly before coming to a halt. Without a second's hesitation, I raised my leg and brought my leather boot down upon the pendant with as much force as I could muster, crushing it into the wood below. A shrill screech erupted as the terror that laid inside escaped its prison. Wisps of dark mist leaked from the crushed pendant. The mist did not move with the wind, but moved of its own accord, encircling the ship and seeking out the unfortunate souls that comprised my crew. A strain of blood-red mist rushed at me and entered my lungs, causing me to gasp as it overtook me. The demonic presence that I had unleashed spread throughout my entire being, infecting my body and blackening my soul. I heard the faint cries of my crew, as they too were overtaken by the terrible spell I had released. The seed of death had been planted within me, and I could feel it beginning to take root. A vile pestilence that would undoubtedly claim the lives of both me and my crew, along with countless others. It is the 1347th year of my lord. My judgment has been cast, and I have damned all man across the face of the earth. They shall taste my wrath and their happiness shall turn to ashes in their mouth. My name will soon be forgotten, but I shall leave a scar across human history that no other mortal could hope to match. For I am the Herald of Doom, the spreader of the plague. I am the bringer of the Black Death. Witches Am I right? Amazing to think how far someone will go just because they feel slighted. Imagine being so full of anger you try to kill the entire planet. Have I ever been that mad? I mean, there are some noisy people when I'm trying to record. On that note, let's take a trip to Beazopop. It's that time of the week for open mic night. Welcome fiends to open mic night at Beazel Pub, where we invite you to sit right here and go into the more poetic side of fear. Poems of murder, creatures, and ghosts. All the things that scare you the most. The first poem tonight is by, surprise, H.P. Lovecraft. Yes, that's right, three times in a row. But, in my defense, it's H.P. fucking Lovecraft. His poem tonight, shows us a slightly more terrifying side of air, sea, and land. The master writes, and we listen. Following Lovecraft is Alan Lockmere with a poem that is more dark than it is scary. But sometimes, the darkness inside is the scariest thing of all. Writing of one person who has lived their entire life waiting for just one moment and finally reaching it. Please enjoy the poems, a cycle of verse, and death a destination. One, Oceanus. Sometimes I stand upon the shore where ocean vaults their effluents pour and troubled waters sigh and shriek of secrets that they dare not speak from nameless valleys far below and hills and plains that no man may know. The mystic swell and sullen surges 
hint like a cursed thaumaturgus, a thousand horrors big with awe, that forgotten ages saw. O oh, salt, salt winds that bleakly sweep across the barren, heaving deep, O oh, wild, wan waves that call to mind the chaos earth hath left behind. Of you I ask one thing alone. Leave, leave your ancient lore unknown. Two clouds. Of late I climbed a lonely height and watched the moon-streaked clouds in flight, whose forms fantastic reeled and whirled, like genie of a spectral world. Thin Sarai veiled the silvery dome and wavered like the ocean foam, while shapes of darker, heavier kind scullied before demon wind. Methought the churning vapors took, now and anon a fearsome look, as if it missed the fog and blur, marched figures known and sinister. From west to east the things advanced, a mocking train that leaped and danced, like bacchanals with joined hands, in endless file through airy lands. Aerial mutterings dimly heard, the comfort of my spirit stirred, with hideous thoughts that bade me scream, my sight formed the portentous scene. Yon fling mists, the murmurs said, are ghosts of hopes denied and dead. 3. Mother Earth One night I wandered down the bank of a deep valley hushed and dank, whose stagnant air possessed a taint and chill that made me sick and faint. The frequent trees on every hand loomed like a ghastly goblin band, and branches against the narrowing sky took shapes I feared I knew not why. Deep red plunged and seemed to grope, for some lost thing is joy or hope. Yet found, for all my searchings there, naught save the phantoms of despair. The walls contracted as I went, still further in my mad descent, till soon of moon and stars bereft, I crouched within a rocky cleft, so deep and ancient that the stone breathed things primordial and unknown. My hands exploring strove to trace the features of the valley's face, when midst the gloom they seemed to find, an outline frightful to my mind. Not any shape my straining eyes could they have seen, might recognize. For what I touched bespoke a day, too old for man's vagacious sway. The clinging lichens, moist and hoary, forbade me read the antique story. But hidden water, trickling low, whispered the tales I should not know. Mortal, ephemeral, and bold, in mercy keep what I have told. Yet think sometimes of what hath been, and sight these crumbling rocks have seen, of sentience old air in thy weak brook, appeared in lesser magnitude, and living things that yet survive, though not to human keen alive. I am the voice of Mother Earth, from whence all horrors have their birth. Death is a destination, of the grave I have no fear. Life was a journey, and this is my final year. Life is a race, I trip, I fall. Twenty-two laps, I gave it my all. Vital signs stumble, the staggered pace of my heart. Flesh grows cold, my nerves fall apart. Savoring the crisp air, as the end draws near. Cherishing the bittersweet memories, of she whom I hold dear. Preparing to let go before you walk through the door. One final moment. Soon I will be no more. Innocence and solace, all held in the palm of your hand. Consolation and prosperity. Our shattered future could have been grand. 
Life was a challenge. We shared each other's fears. Now that it's over, there is no need to hide your tears. Imagining what could have been, you break down and cry. It was not meant to be. Time will wipe the salt from your eye. Will you celebrate our past as you bury me on the morrow or dwell upon your loss with a heart filled with sorrow? Envisioning heaven as I lay, free of pain and strife, your world will continue to cycle as I wait for you in the next life. Wavering light fades to black as you sit at my deathbed side, as you sit at my deathbed side, for the most glorious day I have ever lived was surely the day that I died. That Lovecraft guy really is creative. He should become an author someday. What? Just because I'm a ghost doesn't mean I can't make a dad joke. Now, what do we do when we leave a pump? Naturally, we walk down that dark, menacing street and right into that circus for a monthly feature. Ladies and gentlemen, off we go again to the funhouse. For our second trip into the funhouse, we find ourselves out trick-or-treating on Halloween. On Halloween, everyone looks like a monster, but for four very unlucky girls, a real monster has found them. For all my cholerophobic listeners, we come face to face with yet another clown, eager to put a smile on your face, or kill you. It's definitely one of those. Crawl under your bed, Hope a clown isn't there waiting, and listen to Halloween Night. On Halloween night in 2002, four young girls were walking down a lonely street when they passed by an old church. Standing outside was a man dressed in a clown costume. He asked the girls if they'd seen his puppy when they said they hadn't seen it. The man asked them to help him find the lost dog. The girls agreed to help in the search, and the man in the clown costume led them into the old church. As soon as they went through the door, the man locked behind him, trapping them in the old building. The girls realized they had been tricked, but it was too late. They tried to flee, but he was too fast for them. The man tied the girls up and kept them in the old church for hours. He did unspeakable things to them, and their screams echoed off the marbled walls, the wooden rafters, and the ornate ceiling. After he'd had his fun, the poor unfortunate girls thought he would let them go, but they were wrong. He killed them, one by one, and then escaped into the night. People who saw the clown walking down the street didn't think anything of it, because it was Halloween night, and many people were wearing costumes. If only they had known that his clown costume was red, because it was covered in blood. The next morning, the local priest was surprised to find the church doors were unlocked. He went inside, and in the darkness heard a mysterious dripping sound. 
As he walked down the aisle, he saw a pool of blood laying on the altar. He quickly turned on all the lights in the church and gasped in horror at the terrifying sight that met his eyes. The dripping sound was coming from the headless bodies of four young girls that were hanging upside down from the rafters. Their blood was dripping down from the bloody stumps of their necks and forming a pool on the altar. But worse was yet to come. The girls' bodies were buried in a small cemetery behind the church. Just a few weeks later, their parents received four mysterious packages in the mail. When their parents unwrapped the packages and opened the box, they recoiled in horror. The boxes contained the severed heads of their dead daughters. Some people say that if you visit that old church on Halloween night, you will see the ghosts of the four young girls standing on the altar. According to the legend, you can still hear their screams echoing in the darkness. To this day, the man who murdered the girls has never been found. So if a man ever comes up to you and asks you to help him find his lost puppy, remember this story. Clowns, aren't they just the best? We sure are. <laughs> hey, hey. Not yet. It's not your time yet. Hopefully, if a clown asks you to find his puppy, you'll tell him to find his own goddamn dog and run the other way. After all, I need you all around to listen to these stories. Now, I believe there's enough scares for this week. I hope you'll join me again next week for more stories that are sure to keep you afraid during the day and awake at night. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the stories that I had for you tonight. And until next time, Stay spooky.